This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans, where, of course, it's late summer, produce in full swing at Zupans Markets. I went there, Chris. My wife's 40th birthday. Put a little uh, get-together together. Zupans, perfect place. Uh, so you can stop in for fresh local favorites like peaches and nectarines, Hermiston watermelons. Those are great. Sweet corn, my favorite. Heirloom tomatoes. Plus, coming up, it's the Hatch Chilies. They've, they've actually arrived, but coming up on the 26th and 27th of August, they're going to be doing live Hatch Chili roasting from 10 to 2 at the Burnside and Lake Grove locations. And also their produce department, everything looks so beautiful. Oh, it's there, awesome. Which is only, be- it's beautiful for a number of reasons, but it's all wonderfully fresh. Mm-hmm. I've always, I've shopped at other markets and sometimes it's not. Not so much? Pro- yeah, not so much. Always yeah. at Zupans. Always perfect mm-hmm. there. So uh, speaking of calendars, check out Zupans.com on the events tab for upcoming food and wine tasting events. Cellar Z at Burnside has a bunch of great ones coming up, like the Lingua Franca Wine Dinner on August 24th, and their next four-course regional dinner coming up September 8th. Another thing that I, I need to circle back to this, they have these awesome cheese platters you can buy there or you can make your own. Mm-hmm. I did that as well, and my wife, we surprised her at this little party with her friends on over the weekend. And she's like, man, how did you do that? And I was just like, you just go to Zupans and they help you. Yeah, it's well, so they do. there's a lot you can do there. I had someone right yesterday, I don't know if you saw it, looking for uh, someone, uh, their family member was sick and they wanted to put together prepared meals for them. Mm-hmm. Who does that? Yeah. Immediately Zupans, Zupans. comes to mind because they, yep. they have everything there. And let's not forget their poke bar. That's exactly right. Three locations, which are? West Burnside, uh, McAdam, and Lake Grove in Lake Oswego. And of course, you can always find out more at Zupans.com. Time once again for Portland's Food Scene Podcast with your host Chris Angelus. And you are Court Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that nor- much we've identified. Yeah, nor- nor- We're nor- accurate so far. Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, I'm checking with the judges. Yep, I'm getting a nod. We, that's we are it. correct so far. You can hear you on, uh, on KXL and also Kink. I think that's what the, what the, the part, pause was. Yeah, I, you were I, waiting for. And I didn't get in uh, Portland Food Adventures, of course, from you. Yeah. Uh, excited for today's, uh, for everybody else to hear tonight or today's, maybe you're listening to it at night. I don't know. You could uh, be listening to it at any time. That's the beauty of podcasts. That is. Uh, great guest on today's show. We've been trying to get Tommy Habits on for a long time. Yep. He's a busy guy. He's mm-hmm. got a lot of restaurants. Um, and the last time we were talking about having him on, I think it was when Pizza Jerk first opened and then it burned down. Yeah, that's exactly right. Didn't all burn down. There was a fire there. Right. So they... Uh, they fixed it back up and started serving some great pizza, mm-hmm. Pizza Jerk. And this is definitely one of those episodes where the hour goes by and we're like, oh man, we didn't even get to like most of the stuff we were going to talk to him there about. There was so much to discuss. Yeah. So we got Bunk, bunk Sandwiches was where it started, and but we go back before that. Right. We, we reference it in the podcast. But what he has now is Bunk Sandwiches, Bunk Bar, Pizza Jerk, among all the other things he does. Lots yeah. of great collaborations. Mm-hmm. And so forth. But his history goes back. uh, He grew up in Connecticut, um, where I grew up. And um, also he uh, was one of the instrumental people in the original Ripe, um, which was Gotham. Gotham Tavern. Gotham Tavern. Building Tavern? Well, it changed. So it's Gotham Tavern. I think he corrects us. Yeah, he does. And so, uh, but, I mean, the talent that was there... From Naomi Pomeroy to Gabriel Rucker to Tommy, uh, Jason Barakowski, and it goes on. I'm sorry if I left anybody out, but those are the first four that come to mind. It's a reason for you to listen to the podcast. Right. It's a reason for you to listen. uh, But but Tommy's got a lot of talent. He's a really nice guy, and um, he's a musician. He's got his own show on Mm x-ray.fm. So, yeah, he's got his hands on a lot of things. And we're happy that he has his hands for the next hour in our podcast. Okay. I'm good. Your levels no, are good. Sing out. Gotta, gotta sing get out. rid of me. If you want to <laughs> sing out, sing out. If you want to be free. Are you going to do your show here today? <laughs> <clears throat> I was going to say, do you now consider yourself a professional? <laughs> I don't think I've ever considered my, myself a professional of anything, except maybe a jackass. 
Oh, good. Well, we'll talk about that. How's that working <laughs> out for you? How's that it's career? Been, it's been a very fruitful and uh, fabulous career so far. So, <laughs> speaking of careers, um, when did you know you wanted to cook? Uh, I don't know. I mean... Or do, have you not yet figured that out? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you mean for a living? Yeah, for a living. <laughs> Can you do that? Um... Can you cook for a living? Is I don't know. You tell me. You tell me. I'm not sure. I'm still figuring that out. Um, I don't. You know, I, the the to me, it's funny. Uh, I did not grow up in a very food, like a big food family. I have five brothers. Grew up in Connecticut, as we've taught you know. I think yeah, we'll talk about know. that a little yeah. bit. We're gonna. T- if Heather's listening, because Heather used to tell me that we. I should probably not talk about Connecticut as much as I do. <laughs> Who's Heather? Heather Jones, who uh, start, I started this podcast. Oh, okay, yeah, so yeah. So Heather uh, used to be sitting in that seat. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right and she's a dear friend, but this is going to be the Connecticut. It is episode. funny. I used to. I used to be a little bit. It was. I feel like the whole time I was. Are we recording this? Is it? Oh yeah. Oh, we're rolling. I, I feel. I, I thought so. so uh, the um. I, I used to kind of hide that I was from Connecticut more, and the older I get, I, the more I wear it as a as a badge of honor. Why would you hide it? You know, because it was just like, I mean, it was the land of Martha Stewart in some way. People have these preconceptions of like- Upper, like, conne- upper, yeah. upper middle class, yep. hoity-toity. So it's for the same reason when I moved out here, I learned that I had to hide that I lived in Lake Oswego for a while. Mm. You couldn't you couldn't mention that to anybody. But that was- Totally, yeah. But I, if someone asked me, where in Connecticut are you from- sure. I would just say Fairfield County, right? Because that would that would spread it out a little bit. But if I said Darien, it was immediately oh. So yeah, exactly. I can't help it. I mean, I when I was two years old, I didn't choose to move there for sure. So <laughs> no, I, I was but born. I, I was born in Bridgeport. So right, but I did choose to move out. So I take that yeah, as a badge exactly, of honor. Exactly. And, I, and I, there's parts of Connecticut. But so you and I grew up not far from each other, like really close. But you were, I was on the more of the Gold Coast side, yeah. and you were on more of the, the B-Port side. Totally. I would, I would <laughs> tell people I was from Bridgeport, for right. sure, because my dad was from Bridgeport. Even, my mom's from Newtown, so. Yeah, and Bridgeport was tough. For sure. Like, we didn't even, those of us from Still Darien, is. <laughs> we didn't even go through there. If we went through there, God, it was just, on our way to somewhere else on the highway. That was it. But you would never venture down the streets. I was in Connecticut last year doing a poetry conference. Mm, actually really yeah i actually was. oh so the cooking thing isn't working out <laughs> well this was uh i did a cooking dem- demonstration at a poetry conference nice oh. how'd you end up there how did that happen it was uh my prof- a professor of mine from college uh dr kim bridgeford fantastic poet is this Ru- fairfield university yeah Fair- she was at fairfield university I, I she's took some summer courses there oh right on yeah that i went there because my mom worked there she worked in public relations so uh i got the tuition to Fairfield. So. Nice. But in those days, that was only really a discount of a few thousand bucks. It wasn't like a, a multi, it wasn't like a, right, like a, well, I think, like a yeah, life changing. An inheritance, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think by the end of, like by the end of my career, it was probably, I think a lot of friends of mine still ended up with the big the, the burden. Yeah. Boy, when I, and I'm showing my age here, but when I went to college, I just found it. My uh, tuition was at the University of Arizona was about 900 bucks a semester out of state, <laughs> out of state. Wow. That's what my registration That's certificate awesome. said. So right. anyway, I digress. Yeah. So can I, yeah, I mean, I, uh, gosh, I don't know what, but it was uh, always a thing. I think I always, I think people had preconceptions of Connecticut and when I was growing up, wherever I'd go, you're like, you didn't want Mario. When I worked for Mario, Vitaly would uh, always make fun of me from being from Connecticut and like all these jokes about me being from the nutmeg state. And I was like, dude, you're from the Emerald City. Come on, quiet, calm down. So, um, <laughs> but so that, that, how did you get from Fairfield to Maria, working for Maria Batali? How, <sighs> how did that go? Well, I, um, yeah, I mean, by, so I think what got, I think I was starting when you asked me how I got into cooking. And, and uh, so, yeah, I didn't come from a very food food focused family, although I have an aunt who was from Apulia. She married my my uncle, my mom's brother, uh, when he was in the Navy in the 50s. And she was an amazing cook. And so definitely like my first greatest food impressions. And in that in that area of Connecticut, it's all about, I think, the Italian influence you know i mean that's the they had such an incredible the people of italy moved to 
the New York area and Connecticut and Long Island and New Jersey had a profound impact on the food. And they went up to New Haven and invented pizza. Exactly. (laughs) Those people in New York, you can chime in. Thank you, Italian people. Right. Um, So, uh, you know, that to me was what I loved. I mean, I loved my aunt's cooking. I loved going over to my cousins whenever I could. And whether it was pancakes or baked ziti or or anything she would make was, and pizza, she would make pizza. It was incredible, you know? And so uh, I went to, I always loved cooking. I got really into it. You know, I think my, you know, once my older brother started moving away, I had friends, friends who cooked and, you know, learning about Indian food and what is cumin and what. <laughs> Which by the way, that was not something you found in Connecticut. No, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It was you know, just like. Food, yeah. We had a couple of Chinese restaurants. Yeah. As I remember. Mm-hmm. And. Man, other than that, it was like a lot of Italian and some seafood. Yeah, like general, when you are a kid in Connecticut, you learn, I mean, pretty much anywhere, though, but you learn about General Tso's chicken, and you're just like, wow, this is heaven. <laughs> this is amazing. This is exotic. <laughs> yeah, I remember my From first this Chinese is, experience. This is not, you know, burgers and dogs. and. Did you go you to know. Westlake and Westport at all, the Chinese restaurant? Right no, there was there was a really good Chinese place in Westport though that we used to like. It was a treat for us when we were in school. We would like every so often go to this one place in Westport, and I can't remember the I name. I can't of believe it. there was another one because we used to. It, just I don't go think there. it was called Westlake though. Okay, okay. Although maybe that was the one in Greenwich. I don't know. Oh, maybe we used to go one. They they wouldn't have a Chinese restaurant in Darien. <laughs> that would not happen. I'm surprised so. they had one in Greenwich. <laughs> <laughs> no, they had one. Yeah, you're right. They had um, it there. So <laughs> it I'm sorry. I don't mean. Anyways, to, uh, yeah, we digress. So uh, I, anyway, I started cooking. Um, it was, I always liked. You know, I was kind of like the friend that cooked that always like would make you know spaghetti meatballs for his other friends or try some try to make but stuff. But that had but to then, come from somewhere because you, well, probably from my aunt and just like and also like I'm the youngest of six boys, so it's like I was. There's a lot of survival mode going on. I think for me, you know, I definitely had to cook for myself. I mean. You know, learning to do stuff like, you know, no, I think like, I, and I've always said this because like being a heavier guy and whatever, you know, like one of the curses of being a good chef, being a good cook is like knowing how to do that stuff. You know, it's just like, I know how to make things taste really delicious and really, like, really you know. So that just came second nature. I mean, I, you're yeah, not I think talking it was all about those things. culinary I mean, school or anything here. You're just no, no. So I mean, I did go to a, a small culinary school, a natural foods culinary school. Uh, to me, I was for me the cooking part of it. I was really into the traditional stuff. I mean, my I, my grandmother, who's now 103, uh, had a farm and grew up on a farm in Newtown. And uh, I was always kind of interested in her stories about how they used to, you know, you know, whatever all the stuff they used to do. You know, whether it was just like holding vegetables, you know, for the winter or whatever. However, they did that. That was all kind of cool to me when I was younger and teenager and stuff. And so when I went to the natural foods cooking school, cookery school. Was that <laughs> was after called? Fairfield After University? Fairfield U. I did, after Fairfield U, I came out here to Portland and I did Habitat for Humanity for a year. That's how I first came to Portland, Oregon. I did a year of volunteer work in Northeast Portland. There's houses that I helped build that are still standing. Wow. Yes. Cool. Family st- uh, uh, I just read about all the Sears houses. So there's Sears houses and Tommy houses. <laughs> uh, so... Um, I went back to New York. I was playing music and uh, living in Hoboken with friends and uh, my girlfriend at the time, Alice Marcus, who uh, is an awesome, awesome person living in Brooklyn, uh, Gardner. <laughs> uh, she uh, recommended I go to this, check out the school. Um, that was a really short program and I was like, I needed to do, needed something to do, needed work. Anyway, I started, uh, I went to that school um, which was a really short program. It was a woman named Amory Colbin who started it. She's written a number of books. And it was really kind of he- ahead of its time. It's still going on. It's got a little bit of a different name now. But um, it was definitely ahead of its time when talking about, you know, raw foods and um, macrobiotics and uh, um, just, any, you know, cook, you know, cooking for people, you know, with uh, cancer. I don't know, just stuff like that that was just like very, very... I think uh, I mean the raw foods thing, especially. I mean that kind of really took off after, after I did that. But it sounds like you you had instilled in you a very altruistic character. Yeah, right? I, do, so, I mean you know I mean I think that gets beaten into you a little bit by the Jesuits, which I went to Jesuit high school and college, and my parents are really really good people. So 
you know. Gee, I never had that beaten into me, that altruistic. How about you? I've Gordon? been fighting against it for my whole life. You know? so <laughs> you're going to balance it I've out I've been eventually. trying to not, so yeah, anyway. <laughs> As, and, but now we're all parents, so we have to. True. Uh, right now, it's it, when you're parents, it, it, you, well, you probably had this, Chris, where you're like, do I parent the same way my parents parented, or do I go the complete opposite? Oh, I don't want to get into that. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. No. We ought to have that episode someday. Let's just, sure. Let's just have our therapy episode. Yeah. But um, but you uh, were you a good student in school? So I was a good student. I was a pretty good student. Yeah, I definitely was, you know. Because we were not good students, and we had a we had this really liberal high school in Darien. I don't know what was going on in Fairfield, but and I, I was a f- I was just a couple of years before you, but oh my God, we none of, of all the people were good students. But the people I hung around with, we were able to get through a really good high school, one that was one of the best in the state, without working very hard oh, in yeah, those yeah. days. So yeah. I never had the discipline. Well, I don't think I had discipline. I think just I know I stuff kind of came to me, and like I don't know. I wasn't, I no. wasn't really like a good student in that I like went, you know, I was like, I wasn't on the debate team or anything like that, no, but okay. like, and I just like, music. I did all right. You were into music Yeah, I was too. just really into like arts and What was like the first concert creative. you went to? Simon and Garfunkel, actually. Nice. Where was <laughs> At it? Shea Where Stadium. Was it? At Shea Stadium. Yeah, yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my parents a... took us down to that. It's actually, I do, like, one of the first shows that I ever saw that was like, probably right around that, because that was like when they did that. Central Park record, and they kind of got back together, I guess, in the 80s sometime. Uh, I did go to see, my brothers would take me, it was, it was you know, I was very much exposed to music through them. And Especially so, you had all older brothers, yeah, so you yeah. had a ton of influence. Mm-hmm. Totally. My, like, my brother Johnny was really into folk, so he took me to the Newport Folk Festival, like, the first year they restarted doing it again, which was now, like, 20 years ago or And then how old, were you, how old were you then? I was really pretty young. I think I was, like, junior high or high school. Oh, cool. And, uh, like, my brothers took, but I did go to see uh, the band open up for Crosby, Stills, and Nash at the Hartford Civic Center. I must have been, like, 12 or 13. And Richard, I, I think I saw that tour at Madison Square Garden. Richard Manuel was still playing with the band at the time. He, like, killed himself in Florida, like, uh, that year, like, a year later. So, I mean, that was a pretty incredible thing to get to see. So You know the album cover, Bob Dylan and the band? Yeah, yeah. I was at that show at oh, Madison right Square Garden. Oh, nice. And then we saw like Stevie Wonder like a week later. Huh. Pretty crazy yeah, yeah. time. But Yeah, you definitely have those few years on me to like see some really cool shit, you know? Yeah, but I was I was after Woodstock. Like my brother wanted to go to Woodstock. I think he was fourteen or something. That so, wasn't even on my radar. I was still, I was still, well, I, mean, I, was I just wouldn't into care sports. about Woodstock so much as like New York in the 70s, you know, like getting to travel down to see shows anywhere, CBGB or Mud Club. Or yeah, I never went for, I went to the bigger shows. So Deep Purple at Madison Square Garden. Oh, I saw cool. that was the first show. And yeah, but my here, bro- let me ask you this because you grew up in the same environment. Uh-huh. My parents let us get on a train at 14 yep. years old totally. to go in and see Deep Purple, a bunch of eight of us. Yeah. Not even, we didn't have cell phones, right? No, I know. So just go in and totally. see the show. I was just saying that I would go to see shows at CBGB, any show that I could that was an all-ages show, I would totally go down to, to see. At that age? At yeah, that my, young? My, yeah, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, and there's yeah. no supervision, no check-in. Because just... the Great Jones Cafe just closed, that, um, which uh, was, like to me, a really a big uh, influence when I was younger. Uh, I don't know if you ever went there. It was this great little restaurant on Great Jones Street bright orange facade uh, and just really good New Orleans food and a great jukebox, you know. And Mark Eibold from uh, Pavement was uh, working there for like the last like seven or eight years or something like that. No, I wasn't into, I heard about the New York scene because I was, when I was 19 or 20, I went and I got through my brother this job at the Whiskey or Go-Go as, yeah, a, yeah. as a stage manager and lighting director. So everybody who would come to the Whiskey was also playing CBGBs at the time, but mm-hmm. I'd never, I'd never done that whole New York thing downtown, anything but the big venues in high school. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, it was, that was just so romantic to me. Definitely when I was younger, I mean, I really was really, really influenced by, by New York, by not only by, by punk and, but, but all the art, you know, and theater, you know, I mean, Sam Shepard, who just died yesterday. Uh, big, big, huge, huge influence on me when I was younger. What was the first play? You, what was the first thing you remember him? That well, like, I mean, I guess I thought my brother you. was. I thought my so my brother Michael was an actor when he was younger. I acted too when I was younger, and uh, 
I thought he was in a production of True West, but I guess we went to see it together. So, um, and I actually saw True West on Broadway with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman and John C. Riley. Oh they, man! Yeah, they did. That's it was like class. 2000. It was like two. I think it was 2000, 2001 or something. They did this, and so the play that uh, that Sam Shepard play is primarily it's two brothers, and uh, it was famously I think kind of the. The classic one was John Malkovich and Gary Sinise, who did it at the Steppenwolf Theater. And uh, they, it's like one brother's the bad brother, one brother's the good brother. It's kind of how it, it's Cain and Abel. It's the, you know, Cain and Abel story. So, um, so you kind of have these expectations of, with that with John C. Riley and Philip Seymour Hoffman about who was going to be who. But they, so they did that play, each of them remembering the whole play and switching roles as wow. brothers every other week or every two weeks they would do a run as it was insane just wow. insane have you ever seen john c riley and dr steve Stephen brule oh totally yeah i i, <laughs> I we uh uh we um bunk we i can talk about bunk right oh yeah <laughs> that's kind of the idea on my show i can't talk about my 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 businesses so i was like I, so it's weird for me to do that on a on no a you talk about it all you want get it all out by the way i know and a lot of pent and up we're not bunk. very good for self-promoting so i guess for you um so yeah uh we brought some sandwiches my friend um mikey uh kim and was a uh, he has been touring with and working with those guys with um, Tim and Eric and for a while now. And they did, they came up to the theater that's right next to the Schnitz. I forget the new Mark, maybe. New Mark, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I got to see Tim and Eric and then, and John C. Riley was with them. We brought them sandwiches. Um, I don't think Tim Wareheim, I mean, uh, Eric Wareheim was very impressed because that guy's like super, I mean, I'm not on his level as far as food goes. He's like super duper foodie. <laughs> I'm kidding. I digress. I'm sure he liked him. Who is um, it? Who is I don't know. Eric Wareheim? Yeah. Oh, Tim and Eric? Well, that's, I mean, Dr. Steve Brule is on Tim and Eric's show. Oh, those guys. Yeah, oh, the, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Those guys. So, yeah, so, um, and, and Eric Wareheim's on. considering you're not, you're not oh, in I'm their league? I'm just joking. I'm oh. joking. I was just being, I'm being. Oh, self-deprecating. Yeah, self-deprecating humor. Connecticut. Yeah. Right there. there. That's yeah. where it comes from. It is. It might, I think it is a Connecticut thing, actually. I, yeah. It must be. Thank you. I'm just. <laughs> Man, just it's from my dad anyways, I guess. Yeah. But um, no, so uh, we got to, Those got guys to go are see nuts, the. Those oh, so great, uh, and Eric Eric Wareheim's on that show, uh, Master of None, with Aziz Ansari, who's a huge food guy, also. I mean, and I met Aziz through uh, John and Vinny down in L.A. The the animal guys who are super awesome, awesome people too. So all these like uh, comedians, especially, are really are really into food, really into sandwiches. It's awesome. So we. We brought them some sandwiches when they were doing that show, and I got to go see the show. And uh, John C. Riley did, like, I swear to God, like an hour of improv as Dr. Steve Brule. He, like, was bringing oh, people no. on stage. It was insane. I've never seen, I really like coming, especially coming as in, from having acted in my life, you know, on stage, like to just be up there and be comfortable enough in a character to do improv for an hour. Well, it's also to do that on TV. <laughs> For those who don't know, it's on Adult Swim, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how often it still runs, but my yeah, son, tu- my son turned me onto it. And the first year, I remember telling people I've never laughed so hard. And then the <laughs> second year, I was, I actually said to him, "I'm out. I can't. Some of this is so disgusting. <laughs> it's pretty. It's yeah, beyond it's me. And when it comes to disgusting, yeah, yeah it's yeah. pretty. Um, but anyway. he, he's classic. And then he, with Will Ferrell, he's fantastic. Oh yeah, for sure. Step Brothers. Yeah. Uh, so good, or um, Talladega Nights. I mean, anyway, so good. John John Riley. I mean, but he's such a great actor, great comedian. You know, like he's he's an incredible dramatic actor. You know, he's just like it's unbelievable. Anyway, so yeah, Sam Shepard, New York, huge influence on me. I think it's impossible to you know Lou Reed. Did you have a a band? Yeah, growing up that was like the band. I, I mean, mine was Deep Purple that I went to. Oh. D- uh, yeah, I had a lot, I but that bands, was the one that say, yeah. that's no. the one that got spun a oh, lot. Oh yeah, yeah. For me, I would say like I don't know. Well, it's funny. I mean, I I was just talking about this recently because so with with the older brothers, like one of the things is you have these sort of set expectations of like this is the best, like Dylan's the best, Lou Reed's the best, you know, like Joni Mitchell, you know, that's kind of and so I. Uh, I had this whole thing where like I, the first three, I was talking about the first three, my grandmother giving me, it was like, must've been like 1984, I guess. Christmas, my grandma habits still alive. 
gave me $20, which I could go and buy three cassette tapes for at Sam Goody at that point, mm-hmm. $5.99. I know exactly where it was, <laughs> right on Campo Road. And uh, so I went and got uh, my three, my first three cassettes that I ever bought were Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry, mm. Van Halen, 1984, Ooh. and Billy Squire, Signs of Life. Wow. And I was a rock. I was a rocker. <laughs> and um, and the, so the whole thing was like my my brother and his friends were kind of like, yeah, you know, here's here's Joy Division. Here's you know, like I was listening to like Pink Floyd. Yeah, Pink Floyd's all right, but listen, if you really like the dark stuff, check this out. You know, kind of thing. They're always really trying to help me and push me in the right direction, and it did. I mean, for sure, I'm so ever forever grateful for that. But at the same time, it's sort of like I denied myself the just pure joy of twisted sister or, or whatever you know and so it wasn't I wonder so if those words have ever been in the same sentence before the pure, pure joy? joy and twisted sister <laughs> <laughs> oh man come at, on at that age of course are you kidding me know. and i've gone back like i've listening listening to um we're not going to take it with your with a it's amazing to listen to we're not going to take it by twisted sister with your like five-year-old little girl mm-hmm. who is feeling it so much like she just is not going to take it anymore <laughs> <laughs> You're like, where does that what come from? What kind of misery is going on over there? <laughs> mm-hmm. So as long as we're talking about because, Court, we've never done this, and I'm sorry to get... What was your... Do you remember your first albums that you bought? Oh, the, first, tape, al- the, first, the first album I bought myself was, yeah. was a U2 at record. I'm, I've been a U2 guy for oh, all that's my life. Right. So, yeah, so. I discovered yeah. U2 in Amsterdam years later. Yeah. But, so just to age myself, my first two were actual vinyl mm-hmm. at Johnny's Records, Um and it was uh, Live Cream Volume 2 and Jethro Tull Aqualong. Oh, yeah. And so so those, I came home, and, and I even bought a red light and stuck it in my, um, my socket in my lamp and, <laughs> and, and a flashing thing. Too. No, I mean, and stuff that had a huge, I mean, I remember, like, the Bee Gees covering um, Sgt. Pepper, that, that record being a big influence on me, Casey and the Sunshine Band, mm. loved all that stuff. Uh, and then, yeah, but, like, I, I started getting, you know, I mean, I had my brother's, all my brother's, like, record collections to go through. So my brother had every Dylan record he had. So, I mean, those tapes were, like, my, me trying to go out on my own, and it I failed miserably, and I went back to the classic, the more classic stuff. And then it wasn't until years later, I think, moving to Portland and really just, like, getting to loosen up a little bit, you know, which was great, such a great thing about Portland being myself. And I started to, like, learn to love like all kinds of stuff, you know, learning to love Twisted Sister again, learning to love Cheap Trick, you know. So is this, when you moved out here, this was your first time to be you and not yeah, the younger much, brother? For Just, sure. And, you know, because I mean, even when I was in New York, I mean, it's like, you know, there were my close. family, friends, like, yeah, no, first, for sure, when I came out to Portland, I was allowed to be, allowed myself to be myself. And what year was that? 2002. Oh, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I depends how you look at it. But it I, I'm just thinking, who, yeah, I'm just thinking, you only preceded me by three years, and so I'm getting to the point now where I hear other people, and most other people are saying I got here in 2008 and nine, and it's easy yeah. for me to say that's what I was doing then. But 2002, um, yeah, I was here in 94, 95. Oh, you doing, were doing Habitat, and then so I was exposed to the city then, you know, and and but didn't ha- didn't really know about food or. I went like gosh when I started working for Mario Batali in New York, which was and right, how did right that, that come about? Well, so I was going to that natural foods cooking school, right. and I had to do an externship for it. Which, unlike the CIA, and the whole thing was like I was try. I looked at the culinary culinary institute of America and uh, the French culinary Peter Combs and all that stuff, you know, in New York. And clearly, this was like the only one I could afford, kind of, and and like. They, didn't, they also like they didn't make you do this really long externship. I only had a couple of weeks, which is kind of silly in retrospect. You, I, in retrospect, I would have loved to have had three months in a great yeah, but restaurant. You found, but you found your way. I mean, but I did. I was. Um, it was really funny. I uh, the Mar- Mario is a, um, a teacher at the school. Um, gosh, this is terrible, Jerry. I can't remember your last name. I'm sorry. Uh, that she's, if he's listening, I'll be impressed. I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> She recommended that uh, she, that uh, I go check out this chef Mario who has this restaurant in Jerry the village. Hall. Let's just say it was Jerry <laughs> Hall. <laughs> Jerry Hall. <laughs> and uh, she said, "Tell Keith to pick you up and take you down to Poe." Um, so I went down there and and I immediately just fell in love with the restaurant. You know, it was like you walk in there and it's hard not to. It's this cute little 
one room um, shotgun little restaurant in the in the West Village and white tablecloths, just like and it smelled and felt like my aunt's house, you know. And so um, my aunt is from Apulia, so I mean it was just like I I just loved it right away. And so and then and you know and it's hard not to love Mario too. I mean unless you know. Well, the key was getting him <laughs> to love you to get to get in there. Yeah. So I did a stage there for. I, I, or I, I did an externship for like a week, you know, there as a, from the natural foods cooking school or, and they, they would just make me bone Guinea hen and stuff for like the whole time I was there or scoop ice cream or not at the same time though. Um, and, uh, I also was walking down the street with a friend of mine from that school one day down fifth Avenue and we saw a guy wearing a chef whites and which was a really unique thing in 1994 or whatever it was. He, um, and it was this guy, Wayne Harley Brockman. Uh, Wayne Brockman was the pastry chef for Bobby Flay for a number of years. Wayne Brockman, he was also on the TV, the, the Food Network and all kinds of stuff. Like, been, like really established pastry chef. Great, great guy. Um, and so we started talking and we walked into, we walked back to Mesa Grill and we sit down and he offered me an externship in this pastry department. So I started, so when... It was funny. I actually got have this had this really funny crossroads in my, um, in my history. I was right at that point. I was uh, living in New York, and I had gone to this cooking school, and I was offered a job at at Mesa Grill, starting out in the pastry department. And at the same time, I was also offered a job. My brother Michael, who's the actor, and his his best friend uh, Pete Ryan had started this school in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, very like kind of small focused art school. Um, but they, they taught like, um, uh, blacksmithing and like this one kind of martial art and stuff. He started with, uh, with John Hines, who is, uh, Teresa Hines Carey's son. She, he's one of the Hines brothers. His, his father was Senator Hines from, uh, his stepfather is, uh, is, hey, we're in a no oh, yeah, ketchup wearing, shirt. Oh, yeah, we're ketchup. Which I got a picture of, Yeah, by yeah the way. this is my ironic hipster shirt because <laughs> I love ketchup, actually. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, stepdad is John Kerry, all that stuff. So he's John John Hines, really cool guy, stayed out of all this stuff when John Kerry ran for office in for president in 2004. Um, I, uh, I almost went to work. I almost went to that school, and it would have been like a completely different life and, and all that if I'd done that. But um, I decided to start take the cooking job, and I worked at Mesa Grill for about a year. I started out in the pastry department, um, and I would see these mostly women in that kitchen, which, which was really awesome um, to be a part of and see and work work with all those wonderful women who I'm still friends with many of them. Um, they, uh, see everybody coming off the line, just completely drenched in sweat, looking like they've just come out of war, you know, like, um, or at least Arnold Oliver Stone's, um, impression of war. <laughs> and, uh, they just like, you know, bandanas and like, you know, just totally a mess. And I just like, Oh my God, I could never, ever do that. I'm like, <laughs> Those are super people. They they obviously kind of do that. And then, you know, a month later, I was doing it, and it just like that gave you gave me such huge amount of confidence. I was definitely kind of thrown into the fire at Mesa Grill, um, and I survived. And so that gives you a lot of confidence as a cook for sure. And then I heard about a, a year later, I heard of a job opening at Poe, and I was like, oh, you know, this is my opportunity. And so. I went down and staged, and I got the job. They remembered me from my externship, and. Uh, and I got hired there and I kind of, I went full throttle working for Mario for a few years and until I developed really bad carpal tunnel syndrome in my arms and I had to stop. And so what was your solution to that? Move to Portland? No, I, I stopped cooking for a little bit and By I had, way, I meant to ask, what, did, what was your major? What were you? Oh, English, English, English writing and literature. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, do you do, do you do some writing? Uh, I'm working on doing a, I'm doing a proposal for a bunk book right now with my friend Jason Cohen. Um, and I, you know, I write stuff here and there. I, I, I mostly wrote poetry and, and, um, song lyrics and stuff like that in my life. So, uh, I'm trying to get back into that again. Every so often I'll jot stuff down. Yeah. Well, you're in a good place. 
Right at the Fork is brought to you by Portland Food Adventures. Imagine eating your way through Barcelona with Atala's Jose Chesa. Join Right at the Fork host Chris Angeles in Europe this fall. Get more information under the blog tab at portlandfoodadventures.com where you can contact Chris directly. And by Zupans. Unsurpassed quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupans Market. I mean, because you're... Doing what you like to do. Totally. And you you got a radio show on xray.fm. Yep. Right? When holy do, we, cred, when do holy people find music that? Out. How do people find that? Just so we uh, We're on every, me and my partner Matt Brown are on every Monday from 6 to 7 on X-Ray FM. So 99, 91.1, 107.1. Cool. And now you have, and you got bands coming into Bunk. Yes. Which is Bunk Bar. Yes. And we've, pro- since the get-go, we've been doing that for seven years now right but i'm just saying as far as living your doing it the way you want to do it yeah and 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 putting together the things that you love totally without a doubt absolutely i mean doing pizza now is just i mean it's dreamy it's the best did you have a pizza place in connecticut that that you remember i mean i had post did you know post corner pizza and darian yeah the greek pizza yeah yeah i love greek pizza i mean that's definitely the greek pizza is you know the inspiration for us doing the cast iron pizza at pizza jerk um I, there's so many great, I loved Arcudis in Westport. I'm sure you're, do you remember that? No. Oh man. I, may, I may have been there at one time. I don't God, know. It was there for a while. It was right where, um, that Carvel is closer to the Fairfield line. I don't know. Like right where, yeah, I know where that Barnes is. And Noble I used now. to go to the Car- Carvel on the Dairy and Norwalk yeah. line. Did you ever go to Old McDonald's farm? Was that <laughs> we around where you were the kid? Was. No, I don't know Old McDonald's farm, oh, but it was man. like Stu Leonard when I grew up. Yeah. Um, but- but uh, Arcudi's was really good. They did like this fresh, like um, not a fresh tomato sauce, but like a very, like a not very seasoned tomato, canned tomato sauce. You know what I'm talking about? So it was like came off as very fresh. Mm-hmm. Like it was seasoned with salt, but not a lot of garlic and oregano and that kind of stuff that you typically had. It was more like, and it was a pan, it was a square pizza that Arcudi's did. I don't know. It was so good. I used to love that. And then, um, but my favorite, there was a place in Bridgeport called Jenny's. Uh, that that to us was like it was the ultimate and to me or anyways it was the ultimate Connecticut pizza it's not not there anymore hasn't been there for years but just scamorts you know just so good <laughs> I mean it was the best it was and uh, I I think you know it, it's funny to go back to Connecticut uh, now and I mean you know I I really would love to go back to Connecticut again well we're talking about <laughs> At this stage of the game, we don't have it, but you and I are talking yeah, yeah. about doing a little Connecticut trip. Yeah. So um, I think that would be amazing. I think it'd be fun. So we're kind of at the planning stages now. So, but this is going to stream in a month. We might be closer in yeah. a month. Let's. Uh, I think it'd be a lot of fun. It would. I'll, yeah. I mean, it's just funny, but I mean, it's like stu- I don't, my tastes have changed. Obviously, my palate's changed out, but I mean, it's funny. Like I think some, you know, some places are different, for sure. I mean, Pepe's is different. I think a little bit, but they still do. I mean, what they? I think you just. Everybody, it's very subjective what you like and what you don't like, but I mean, you know. Well, you know what happened? The media got a hold of it all. So when we were there, it was just <laughs> your pizza fault. places. <laughs> I don't consider myself. <laughs> but they were just pizza places. And now, there, now there's Thrillist <laughs> and there's lists of all the greatest pizza and it's just nonstop. Yeah. Lists. And so now they're famous and they have even more larger, longer lines. So they, in order to handle that, they had to open new Pepe's in six different locations. Yeah. Which isn't the same. It's yeah, but it's still pretty damn good. I mean, right, it's so but good. I got the answer to that. There's two guys who ran Peppy's for 15 years, who opened up a place called Marco Pizzeria in Brantford. Same pizza as Peppy's, awesome. Without the whole. Oh, to-do. we should go there when we yeah, go. Well, that was uh, that was some place I wanted to put on the list because uh, yeah. there we can arrange something. But at any rate, I mean, because all the places, yeah, I mean, the places that I loved and grew up with aren't really there anymore. I mean, even like Mike's Pizza in downtown Fairfield, like is. You know, totally different than it. Did you guys hang out at the beach? Did you go down to the beaches a like in high school? Because that's all we did. Yeah, go down mean, to the yeah, beach. for sure. Yeah. Huh. So, um, yeah, I was so just talking guy? about that. I was just, I was just down at uh, in Coos Bay, and walking along this really cool beach, and I was just like, you know, the. It's funny. Like I have this. 
it's so in, embedded in me. I know you know what I'm talking about is like going to the beach and there being the smell of French fries and hot dogs and all this stuff because there'd always be a stand at the beach in Connecticut. And it was it was just like it was awesome. The sand and the, and the, burgers, the sea the and the burgers and the, yeah. But we weren't really Crinkle hanging out fries. on sand. We were just hanging out in the parking lot. It was yeah. in and out all night. People, day and night, people totally, coming yeah. and going and beer and yeah. pot and all it was Especially, insane. I mean, like, because, I mean, you're also in closer in age to my older brothers, and, and uh, I remember, I mean, I remember that. Like, it was a different environment, too. Like, in Connecticut, when they were growing up, 18 was the drinking age. Right. It changed, like, right? My brother, Michael, um, who I think, he's going to kill me, I think he's, like, maybe, like, 53, 54, I think. But um, he is, oh, he's not, maybe not that old yet, 52. I don't know. But anyways, it was kind of like right when he he was he it was always this funny joke that like every time he would like a few months before he would turn eighteen they would raise the drinking age to nineteen and then they raised it to twenty one. Oh, they did it in increments. I don't I, know. It or was something. It yeah, was eighteen like, when I was there, yeah. and we had open campus too. Was so we could drive on and off of campus all day long during oh, okay. school. There was no. We had a smoking area. It, yeah, yeah. It was it kind was of crazy times. The smoking area. Yeah. I can't imagine what parents would do now. If they found out there was a smoking area at That's, school, yeah, that is hilarious. And and open campus, so we would go down. I remember. Sorry to hijack your podcast. No, no, here, it's just... but we had power mechanics, and I would I had a Volkswagen, and I would quote unquote test the idle on the Volkswagen, and we'd go down to Weed Weed Beach. It was called Darian, <laughs> and no, it was, it was called Weed Beach. It that was, was the, that was not the nickname. It's still there. Yeah, okay. It's uh, still called Weed right. Beach, and I have the <laughs> sticker on my car, Weed Beach. Um, but we just go down there all day long. There was open campus. You didn't have to be in school. We had an alley. We we had an alleyway behind the movie theater in downtown Fairfield that we used to hang out in, and it was called the Cobras. The Cobras. The Cobras was the name of the alleyway. I don't know. And what movies do you remember seeing there? I got, this is you know what's really funny. It's like one of the first times I ever got high. <laughs> really bad. I was in junior high school. I'm sorry, mom. But uh, <laughs> are you apologizing now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's listening. Uh, so anyway, um, it was which was crazy. I mean, it was so rare. It doesn't like it didn't happen that much that you would be able to find weed and be able to like you know whatever get out of your parents' house. And I was it oh was my just, god. You know. was... So I was staying over my friend Brian Jones's <laughs> house. He lived down near the beach, and then we snuck out of his house and met a friend down at the Cobras, and we're all getting high behind the movie theater, and we decided we we're going to sneak into the movie, and we sneak into. Down and out in Beverly Hills, <laughs> with Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah, I was gonna say Bette, Richard. I think Bette Midler, and I don't remember laughing so hard in my whole life. Yeah, I had the same experience <laughs> to age myself. Airplane, yeah, going yeah, and, and I dying. mean, Down and Out in Beverly Hills is pretty is like a good aging myself <laughs> movies too. So I'm just so gonna throw that out I, there. I want to hear before, and we're gonna jump. I want to hear a little bit about Ripe and Gotham City Tavern. How you got Gotham City Tavern? Pardon me? Gotham. Oh, I didn't mean to correct you, but it's Gotham, no, please building, do. Gotham building Tavern. But I think Building yeah. Tavern. So, um, I, you know, so we can't just assume that people know that history. So can you take us through who was there okay. and how important that was to the Portland food world? Uh, those of you that were there, it's a pretty incredible roster of, of yeah, we now had, chefs. Totally. We had the, All right. So when I moved back here in 2002, I did... Um, my fir- my like one of my first jobs working. Am I doing right on time? Pascal yeah, Satan uh, uh, at the River Place. Um, Pascal's now in France. in France. Awesome, awesome, wonderful human being. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, ask him about me. I don't think he would say that, but okay. Uh, well, you know, he's French, so yeah. <laughs> um, I worked. So then I worked at Genoa briefly, which was really awesome opportunity. While Kathy. Kathy Wims hired me there and she, you know, so she was still there and it was right kind of towards the end of her time there. But I did get to work with a number of amazing people at Chenoa, which was a great experience, including John Taboda and, um, who is at Navarre, Navarre. and Luce and, yep. um, sometimes you got to point these out. I actually totally. had someone write me and say, when you mention these people, you got to give us last this, names yeah. and, Tell us who they are. Jerry Hysinga, who uh, runs Bark Mingo. And right. if you haven't been there, I'm Jerry is like one of my favorite, favorite cooks in the whole world. Um, gosh, I don't know. There's so many people that uh, came uh, from 
working at Genoa. And then, uh, uh, but I also was kind of, I was working, I helped open, I was one of the, I mean, like there at Navarre when, when it's opening and I was working there a little bit. And that's where I met Michael Hebb. He came in one night and he <laughs> sat at the bar and he was telling me that they were looking for a chef. Uh, Morgan Brownlow was there with Dan Spitz uh, running the um, catering. And, and do we know where Mar Morgan is now, Now I don't know where Morgan is now. So he, he used to be at Clark Lewis. He was the chef at Clark Lewis. And he opened opening Tasty and Alder for a week. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was at People's Pig not too long ago. Oh, and, oh, and then that. he was he helped recently with Heart Pizza with Micah's um Micah Camden's pizza place. And I will say this that Jason French once told me he had his best meal ever in Portland was one that Michael Morgan Brownlow prepared. So um, yeah, Morgan's just trying a to put that in perspective for people who don't know. Chef. Yeah. Um and uh uh so they were leaving to go and open a restaurant in um Sausalito. Which I don't, I don't think it it actually ever happened. Oh, oh yeah, because um, I mean it's kind of one of those things where like, so I I went to work for them and and we all kind of worked together. They ended up they never really kind of ended up going to California. And I said like one of the things I mean I was with Michael at the time. I said you know Morgan is such a great a great cook. It's such a shame that you know he's where we should try to keep him. And that was part of the impetus of Clark Lewis and how Clark Lewis started was we were like really trying to just keep Morgan in town. And, um, and of course, you know, thankfully, cause that was such a, it's such a great restaurant. And, uh, uh, we, uh, so, so Clark Lewis was a big success. We got the, um, Oregonian restaurant of the year when it opened and really kind of, I think changed things a little bit in the Portland dining scene and showed that, you know, some upstart kids could do something really good and, uh, and you know, Ripe was going really well. We were doing family suppers. You know, Naomi would do a bunch. And Naomi Pomeroy. Naomi Pomeroy, a, a beast. beast. Yep. Um, and, you know, Naomi's a fa fantastic, fantastic chef. And um, and so what started is like, so we then decided to take the Gotham Building Coffee Shop, which which we had always had and always been running, uh, and turn it into the Gotham Building Tavern. And I was really, you know, into the idea, like, of gast the gastropub revolution sort of that was going on in England. I went for my honeymoon to to London to go and eat at some of these places and um I which was in 2005. Uh I and so we the thing was I think there was just like when we did Gotham there was a lot of stuff. I mean, I there was uh definitely the economics of it weren't really in place and uh and then also, I mean, I think, you know, a, a lot of times we overshot it kind of like it was, it was, uh, it was kind of like was a bunch fancy. of rock stars getting together without a real structure, right? <laughs> a little Is bit, it? a little bit. It was, I mean, yeah. So we had, it was Naomi and I started out as co-chefs together at Gotham. We were, um, we had brought on Troy McClarty from, from California, from, um, he was at Chez Panisse. And of course, Troy is now, uh, has Bollywood theater and. Uh, but it also been has been the chef, you know, it, it was at Lovely Hands and uh, it's been really all over the place, all over. And Portland. by the way, I aired Jason. There was Troy McCarty. <laughs> it wasn't Morgan Brown. Oh, okay. So if Jason's listening, Jason French of um, Ned Ludd. Of Ned Ludd. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <There we go>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you can start doing this with right. us. Um, and then our, you know, like our sous chefs were, or opening sous chefs were Gabe Rucker and Jason Barkowski. So I mean, we we definitely did have. A super, super staff, and you know, and then Johnny Henry, who's at Inner Urban now, and uh, uh, Scott Vivian was there, who's a chef at Beast in Toronto, and um, we <laughs> we had this incredible, you know, Travis Ingle has been uh, the backbone of a, of a lot of restaurants in Portland, you know, for sure. Uh, so yeah, a lot of a lot of really great people have come um, from that. Yeah, that, I would that like, I would love to see the little mini series about that. <laughs> I think it would be really cool. I definitely think it would be like the Thornbirds a little bit. Yeah, yeah it would be really cool. You know what really sucks? We we're just about out of time. Uh, we haven't even gotten to bunk. And oh, what yeah. got you into get what got you well, doing maybe we'll that? Maybe I'll have to come back. With I think it. that's the key. You know, two parter. We're yeah. in year four and we're starting to do some repeats, but there's a good reason for that because <laughs> an hour isn't enough to cover really cool stuff. And you've got. So many different things going on. I said this before we came in here. We're never going to be able to cover it all <laughs> in, in an hour's period of time. Well, that's good. That makes me feel good about myself. And 
That's what the, we're here the for. Crap all I've you, done. You are an interesting guy. <laughs> <laughs> I can God, prove it. Gosh darn it. He is an interesting guy. Gosh darn it. So, um, so what's uh, just one quick thing? Why should people be going to Pizza Jerk and Bunk right now? What do you, what do you got anything new there or, or something that's not new that people should absolutely try? Yeah, um, there's definitely some some really cool things at Bunk that we've got going on. Uh, we've got some great people working for us. Josh Lukey at the Wonder Ballroom does some great, great specials over there. He's doing a burger now, a, a, a two-patty burger that's available, I think, like Thursday through Sunday. Uh, we're trying to get it all week there now. But, um, yeah, uh, he does some great specials. Um, Robert Lucas up at our Alberta shop who came to us from uh, Block and Tack. Block and tackle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's doing great. The the fried chicken sandwich at Alberta is just, it's great. It's really, really good. Um, so you have different menus at all your... And yeah, how we do different specials, different things. Are the, there three bunks? There's Four five. Bunks. There's five. Yeah, we have the original shop on Morrison. Um, I remember you from there when I used to come in there. Yeah. And uh, man, that was tight. That's still my, you know, it's my favorite. I mean, and it's definitely the original. And we we now, Casey Burns just did a, an incredible mural uh, at the original shop of uh, uh, um El Topo, so a little that kind of that classic. I haven't been into there that. since Bunk Bar opened on All water. Right. That's where I that's my yeah. go-to bunk because coming from Southwest. Oh yeah, it's totally. the easiest. Yeah, but we have a little shop downtown next to Little Bird, and then we've got um, the Bunk Bar on Water, Bunk Bar at the the Wonder Ballroom, and up on Alberta. Right. right oh yeah, that's five. Yeah. Not, I'm and not, we're in the Moda Center and Providence Park and have the truck, too. How's that be, going? How's the Moda Center going? Awesome. Yeah, the Moda Center is a, a trip. Yeah, That's a blast working there. Cool. Blazers going to be good next year. Are you a Blazer fan? Yeah, I love the Blazers. I'm not, like, a big sports guy, so I couldn't, like, tell you if they're going to do well next year. Mm. I mean, yeah, they're going to do well next year. Well, you're year. hoping they do because <laughs> the more people that are there, they sell out anyway, right, whether they do, do well or not. you're. I, yeah, you're I mean, good. it's. I think, you know, yeah, I, I think they, they do really well, yeah. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks We've been for trying to me. get you on for a long time. I know, I know. I've and, been a little oh, bit. You don't need to apologize. It's just, you know, we got it. There are a lot of, a lot of people to have on. So, so I just, totally. eventually we find the day. I will say that. I mean, I, we are so lucky here in Portland right now, especially, I mean, it just keeps getting better and better. There's so many talented, so many wonderful people in the restaurant industry. It's, it's pretty amazing. And we're, s- we're, I wish I could get out to every one of the restaurants. It's hard. And, and here we're in the city that's hitting a new stage in its life yeah and so now you've got all the people that have worked for you who are now burgeoning and coming into their own and doing their own thing so it's just going to keep happening we're people who work work for people who work for me <laughs> right <laughs> that's it, it's like some i'm really feeling old right now sometimes don't don't because <laughs> you never you ever listen to that Baz Luhrmann that that uh that sunscreen song no yeah you're never you're just appreciate your age now because you'll look back in 20 years and go, man, I wish I looked that good. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it's been an honor. And you Thank and I you. have never really had the opportunity. We said this morning we had yeah. a little coffee before this. We never, we're always at events passing, hey, how are you? Yeah, haven't yeah. said much. So this oh, was a nice, nice opportunity and I hope we can do it some more. And we'll, we'll schedule another one of these so Sounds we can good. talk about bunk and pizza jerk. Love to talk about pizza jerk. And I'm getting over there for a white clam soon. Right on. Cheers. Thanks, Court. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. <laughs>